Chapter Eight of A Soldier of the Legion by George Mannington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, Part Two. Our new brigade major, Captain Bataille, was a quiet and reserved gentleman who studied hard at his profession and was a most capable officer, having already brilliantly distinguished himself in the field for which he had been decorated with the cross of the Legion of Honor we had now no intelligence department and all questions formerly dealt with by this branch together with those relating to active operations by the troops were treated by the headquarters staff at hanoi the governor had not succeeded in doing away with the brigade but he had taken his revenge by reducing its importance to a minimum and the role of its chief now consisted almost entirely in looking after the details of administration and discipline of the regiments under his orders and in conducting the annual inspection of the troops in french indo-china in january eighteen ninety three we received orders to transfer our offices to hanoi and we had rather a lively time of it for several days packing up the records and stowing them away together with all the portable furniture into a long string of commissariat mule carts our march to hanoi was not a fatiguing one for the distance is not great about twenty miles and the road is probably the best in tonkin owing to the numerous carts we were escorting our progress was not as rapid as it might have been and it was late in the evening when we reached a point on the left bank of the red river just opposite the capital the country we had traversed during the day was perfectly flat and covered with paddy fields and i do not think we saw the smallest patch that was not cultivated the weather was bitterly cold the mercury having descended almost to freezing point the winter of ninety two ninety three was a record one in the colony and thrice along the route we came upon the bodies of natives who had died from exposure our convoy was transported over the stream nearly a mile wide at this point by a steam ferry the accommodation on this ferry was so restricted that only two carts could be taken at a time so that it was quite dark when we reached the citadel situated some distance from the landing stage our new offices were inside the fortress a fine place constructed on the same plan as that of bac ninh the difference between the two being that the superficial area of the first was twice that of the second these fortifications first captured by the french in eighteen seventy two no longer exist and on the former side of their ramparts and ditches can now be seen one of the finest quarters of the european town hanoi the capital of tonkin was important and imposing when i first saw it in eighteen ninety three and to-day thanks to the enterprise and good taste of its municipal council it is certainly one of the finest cities in the far east its rapid development and flourishing condition leads one to reflect on what the colony itself might be were its destinies placed like those of the metropolis in the hands of a representative chamber of colonists elected by their fellow-citizens instead of being entrusted to an army of political functionaries the city was founded in eight sixty five a d by the emperor cao bien and its original name was dai la tan a succeeding monarch Taesong, constructed a palace there in ten twenty eight 
hanoi is admirably situated for commercial purposes being at the extreme northern limit of the delta provinces at a point on the river eighty-two miles from haiphong where communication with lower tonkin by means of the numerous estuaries and canals is easy and rapid the same may be said with regard to upper tonkin and yunnan which can be reached by the song Khoi itself the dutch merchants established factories or trading posts there and at huang yin nam din and haiphong towards the end of the sixteenth century hanoi has the form of an isosceles triangle the base of which extends along the river bank for about two miles the inhabitants of the capital owe a good deal to monsieur de lanazan who was the first to suggest the demolition of the immense and useless citadel which owing to its situation retarded the growth of the city northwards the native quarter of the town is extremely picturesque and the neat whitewashed houses not two of which are alike in size or height with their quaintly curved red-tiled roofs and step-like cornices the numerous pagodas ornamented with dragons griffins and genii produce a vista of pleasant aspect and great interest to the european there are hundreds of small shops wherein the natives squat on a piece of matting surrounded by their wares workmen of a like craft merchants in similar lines of business flock together and live in the same quarter so that the majority of the streets in the annamese portion of the town are named after the objects made or for sale there thus it is that one sees at the corners of the thoroughfare such indications as bamboo matting street hat street fan street copper street etc etc the main arteries of this quarter present a crowded appearance and traffic is continual but contrary to the usual state of affairs in most oriental cities the streets are clean and odourless a fact which can be attributed to an excellent system of police supervision the rickshaws is the favourite means of transportation although an admirable system of electric tramways has now been started the native inhabitants of the town dress somewhat more carefully than their fellow-countrymen in the villages that is to say the merchants and shopkeepers do so they all wear the big hat made of palm leaves and the wealthier classes embellish its appearance by applying a light brown varnish to its exterior and surmounting its crest with a cap of silver scroll-work and a small spike of the same metal the asiatic population of hanoi is very dense and in nineteen o two consisted of a hundred thousand annamese and thirty five hundred celestials according to the returns there were six thousand one hundred and ten native houses in the city covering a total area of about a hundred and sixty five acres the french may well be proud of the european quarter of the capital of tonkin for its fine well laid out boulevards and streets handsome public buildings big shops comfortable hotels and well-appointed cafes would do honour to the prefecture towns of southern france such as arles avignon or montpellier though the principal thoroughfares of the town do not present the busy appearance of our eastern commercial centres such as singapore or hong kong and one does not meet the hurrying throngs that give to these two cities the characteristics of anglo-saxon activity yet the prospect of the rue paul bert the principal street of hanoi at the hour of the apertif is extremely pleasing 
and reminds one of the Parisian boulevards. In front of the more important cafés, the pavement is occupied by the numerous round marble-topped tables so dear to the boulevardier. After five o'clock every evening, these terraces are crowded with habitués, who, while sipping their iced absinthe, vermouth, or bitter, sit enjoying the cool breeze, exchanging the tittle-tattle of the town, discussing the latest apartmental or social scandal, or watching the passing carriages, smart little victorias or dog-carts drawn by diminutive well-groomed ponies, and provided with yellow-skinned coachmen and tigers, glorious in their neat liveries and top boots. At this hour the ladies of the colony, whose means permit of this luxury, drive through the town, out to the fine botanical and zoological gardens, and alight at the kiosk to enjoy a stroll in the fresh of the evening, and to listen to the band, or partake of a cup of tea or an iced sorbet. The male sex is also en evidence at these gatherings and promenades, consequently the toilettes are brilliant and of the latest fashion and with a slight flight of fancy one might imagine oneself back at the cascade or the pre catalan in the bois de bouillon in eighteen ninety three as it is to-day the palace of the governor-general the residence of the commander-in-chief and the offices of the headquarters staff are situated in a portion of the town known as the concession a strip of ground fronting the river about one mile long by seven hundred yards broad this small territory was conceded to the french in eighteen eighty two by the emperor of annam and together with the concession at haiphong which was occupied a few years previously it may be said to represent the first foothold of france in tonkin the public buildings in the concession are well built and are surrounded by fine gardens. The town is provided with a splendid system of surface drainage. It is lighted throughout with electricity and possesses an adequate water supply, which, however, is the cause of some complaint, owing to the fact that the water is pumped from wells situated in the native quarter of the town and close to the river, from which it is more than probable there exists a considerable infiltration. In the center of the European quarter of Hanoi there is a lake. The borders of this are covered with trees and shrubs, and laid out with paths framed in verdure, so that the effect of the whole is charming. There are two small islands on the lake, and on each of these is a small pagoda. On the largest island, which can be reached by a fine native bridge about thirty yards long, built of ironwood, is a beautiful, though small, specimen of a native temple, known as the Pagoda of the Isle of Jade, and for the last five hundred years it has been the rendezvous for the literate of the capital. The zoological and botanical garden, to which reference has already been made, is situated in the extreme northwest corner of the city. It is splendidly laid out and covers several acres of ground. It is here that the society of Hanoi comes to drive or promenade of an evening before dinner, and its fine avenues, flower-beds, groves, and lawns compare favorably with the cinnamon gardens in Colombo or the waterfall at Penang. The roads throughout the town are wide and well-built, and in this respect 
as in the laying out of the streets and the style of architecture adopted for the governmental buildings or for private residences the french are by far our superiors this is due partly to the naturally artistic taste they possess and also to the wise regulation adopted by the public works department in the colony with regard to the construction of new buildings all plans having to be approved by the department before a permit to commence building is granted in july eighteen ninety two when i had arrived at bak nin it seemed after my protracted stay in the wild regions of upper yente that at last i had returned to a large town and the sight of a few score of brick buildings was for the first few days quite a novelty but when six months later i found myself in the capital of tonkin it was like getting back to a big european city and though we sometimes regretted the charms of our former adventurous existence both lipte and myself soon began to find a new pleasure in the renewed acquaintance with the comforts and distractions of civilization we were not as free as we had been at Baknin, as we were lodged in a room set apart for us in the barracks of the ninth regiment of infanterie de marine and were for a few days the pet grievance of the noncoms of that corps who put us on fatigue duty and made us take part in the inspections this however was soon stopped by the chief of staff and we were allowed to continue the even tenor of our way there is always a certain amount of jealousy felt for the scribes of the army and the french sergeants were probably indignant at the thought that we were drawing as much pay as they were that we were allowed out every night till ten p m and also because we took our meals at the canteen in a room specially reserved for us the latter arrangement was adopted to avoid indiscretions for a few of us were continually and unavoidably in possession of facts that it was of absolute importance the majority of the troops should not learn for the next twelve months we continued our somewhat uneventful life as staff secretaries within the ancient precincts of the anami citadel the only break in the monotony of our career being my promotion to the grade of corporal which occurred in november i had waited a long time for my stripes and should have had them sooner had i remained with my corps but till then there had been no vacancy on the staff for a non-com so i had nothing to complain of in february our offices were again moved this time to the concession in a building close to the headquarters staff and we were lodged with the secretaries of that organization since i had come to hanoi my health had considerably improved and very soon after my arrival i was no longer troubled with the attacks of malaria which formerly at almost regular intervals used to lay me up for a day and sometimes more the change of air was i suppose chiefly responsible for the amelioration and the better food and more comfortable quarters probably helped to mend matters life in the capital was very agreeable though during the summer months the heat was terrible this is due to the fact that because of the low situation of the city the southwest monsoon is little felt there the french colonials i happened to come in contact with were extremely kind and hospitable and during my military career i made several acquaintances which ripened into friendships that never failed me during the subsequent years passed in the colony as a civilian 
the french settler be he either planter merchant manufacturer or shopkeeper is one of the hardest workers i have ever seen he possesses an admirable faith in the rich country he has adopted and a supreme contempt for his government which seems to delight in throwing every possible obstacle in the way of private enterprise and in ever increasing the number of functionaries he has to pay for in april eighteen ninety four general pernot practically reached the age limit of his rank and returned to france his place being taken by general coronat at the time he took over the command he was the youngest brigadier general in the french army having thanks to the services he had rendered to the republic and to his wide knowledge of his profession attained that rank when most officers in france's forces esteem themselves happy if they are in command of a regiment this distinguished soldier was by birth a basque the son of a modest cooper who plied his trade in a small and picturesque village situated at the foot of the rugged and majestic pyrenees but he was in demeanour speech and conduct one of the truest gentlemen it has been my lot to encounter tall and somewhat sparse fair with blue piercing eyes a straight thin nose a small light-coloured moustache and a very strong chin when listening he was reserved attentive and courteous when speaking his voice was wonderfully soft for a military man and as clear as a bell on first acquaintance he appeared to affect a certain aloofness but this was only apparent and was due most probably to the erectness of his bearing and to his habit of speaking but little and of fixing his eyes on the person who was addressing him so that unless they were acquainted with this particularity he would stare them out of countenance having gained a hard-earned scholarship the general obtained his grade of sub-lieutenant by passing through the military school of st cyr instead of being obliged like many of small means to work his way up from the ranks the work of pacification went on steadily but it was destined that i should remain at my post on the brigade and take no active part in the different expeditions sent against the pirates and rebels in eighteen ninety four ninety five in october eighteen ninety four i lost my friend lipte he died in the military hospital at hanoi worn out with fever and debility acquired during our campaigns in yen te i was by him almost to the end and he passed away calm and courageous like the noble true-hearted gentleman he had always proved himself to be he had been promoted to the rank of sergeant and had been made a knight of the dragon of annam shortly before his death on the twenty seventh february eighteen ninety five i was liberated having completed a period of five years under the french flag the experience i had gained was invaluable and i felt no regret for the step i had taken in enlisting nevertheless it was with an emotion akin to delight that i hailed my return to the liberties of civilian life it should however be mentioned that i experienced a certain regret at severing my connection with the french army and the legion while serving in that corps i had learned that there were good and brave men outside my own country and that courage obedience self-abnegation and national pride are not the monopoly of any one race 
by living side by side with them fighting and oft-times suffering in the same cause i had been taught to like and respect the foreigners the french italian german austrian or any other european soldier is very much like our own he has his virtues and his vices and the stronger his race and national character the more likely is he to possess a superabundance of the latter british interests in siam and southern china render the development of the french colonies in the far east a matter of importance to us the majority of the foreign products imported into yunnan via the west river route or through tonkin are of british origin our treaty arrangements with france and the good feeling at present existing between the two nations should make it no difficult matter for frenchmen and englishmen to agree in the settlement of questions arising out of their trade relations with guangxi Guangdong, and yunnan the recent concessions made by siam to france have increased the responsibilities of the latter and it remains for france and great britain to develop the commercial resources of siam and south china by the aid of the railway system agriculture and manufacturing industries are being fostered in the french colonies of the east and a great future undoubtedly exists for them but before real success can be obtained indo-china must be provided with functionaries who are not only able administrators but who have a knowledge of the language and customs of the country they must be workers with a single aim for the success of the colonies under their administration and not merely politicians whose personal ambitions color their perceptions then the colonies wherein i spent the years of which i have written will have a future of constantly increasing prosperity before them end of chapter eight end of a soldier of the legion by george mannington